Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the Pittsburgh Steelers. This is the Steelers Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now, your host, Ryan O'Leary, and Steelers Wire editor, Kurt Popejoy. I feel like somebody's not really, uh, you know, tempered or, or pressured in a way if, if, if he doesn't go through something hard in your, in your life. Um, I've been through a lot of stuff in my life um, that, that was difficult and I had to overcome a lot of obstacles. Um, but, you know, it was for the better, the good. Um, you know, uh, you know, so I, I guess it really helped me in a way in football because, you know, in football, you're going to go through a lot of adversity. I went through a lot of adversity when I was a kid. Um, but just being able to overcome it, um, you know, shows you how, uh, how much strength that you have to overcome things. Um, and it shows you that, you know, if you can get through these things in life, then you can get through these things in football. And, you know, obviously, like I said, football, you're going to have a lot of obstacles that you have to overcome, um, especially now being in the NFL. You know, there's a lot more talent. There's a lot more uh, details that you got to f- focus on as a just as a player. So, um, you know, me being being growing up, being raised and, and, and overcoming all those things really helped out a lot. There's running back Najee Harris out of Alabama right there. One of the great stories of this year's NFL draft. And he ends up in Pittsburgh, number 24 overall, Kurt. This was a player everyone was mocking to the Steelers, right? Everyone loved this pick. The question really was, will the Steelers go against the grain and actually make the selection? And they did. And, and, you know, it became almost such a foregone conclusion. I mean, every expert was was mocking Harris to the Steelers. Everyone, every no, expert no doubt about it. Everyone said, was saying it. And that enough was to make you think it wasn't going to happen. I mean, no just by, no by virtue of the fact that when a move seems so telegraphed like this, there was no way they could they could really make that move. And plus – Historically, I mean, they've, they've been more of a middle-round running back kind of team. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that you, you go back and you look at how much attention they gave him at the, the two Alabama pro days and things like that. It, all, all you had to do was watch him play last year to understand they knew the running game was a priority. I think it just ultimately came down to who was sitting on the board when, when Pittsburgh went on the clock. I'm sure there were some offensive linemen that they would have liked to have seen still sitting there. Those guys were probably gone. Um, I think I think Kevin Colbert said after the draft they had eight guys on their board for their first round pick, and they were very thankful that Najee Harris was sitting there. They didn't say who the other seven guys were, but obviously they had a plan. You know, they don't say where they had these guys ranked or anything like that. But there were eight names. Harris was one of them. You know, whether or not you think he's going to fix the run game is a is a different discussion, but. Um, he seems like a quality young man. He's an ex- excellent football player. Um, yeah, I, I'm overall I'm I'm pleased with the pick. I I know that the the fan base is pretty divided right now about the pick, whether or not it was the smart move or not. 
Unfortunately, the second round pick kind of made everybody forget about whether or not the first round pick was questionable. <laughs> sure. gave so, yeah, gave everyone something to be mad about, right? Yeah, everybody could uh, could agree that the second round pick. Was, well, not everybody, but but nobody nobody questioned Najee Harris in the first round. Once we got to the second round, so <laughs> that's great you know, point. Yeah. That's, that's Steelers fans for you, though. Yeah, it will get there. We'll get to that second round pick here in a minute. But, you know, one of the reasons why I wanted to clip that piece of Najee Harris's uh, intro presser with the Steelers was, you know, this is one of the fun stories on Thursday night. You know, after all the drama with Aaron Rodgers subsided, right, we got into a kind of a real fun story, Kurt, and in that uh, Najee Harris, he sponsors this NFL draft party for kids living at a homeless shelter in Richmond. And then you dig a little deeper into it and you realize it's a it's a shelter he once lived in with his parents mm-hmm. and four siblings. So they, he he and his parents and four siblings shared a really small room in a homeless shelter in 2010. That's not that long ago. And no. Najee Harris goes back. He visits that place. He you know buys pizza and all kinds of football-themed things for the kids, takes some photos, probably signs some autographs, does the whole thing. Uh, and it does. It just kind of... It does show. It gives you a glimpse, as you said. It gives you a glimpse of the kind of person he is. He, you could tell he appreciates mm-hmm. it. He wanted to kick off his presser by thanking the Steelers for drafting him, which I don't think you yeah. see. Like these kids are so excited to get picked, Kurt. They're just bouncing off the walls, and they just, you know, it's it's different to see a kid be that calculated and want to make sure he thanks the organization who drafted him and is giving him a chance to play. So. Whether you love running back in the first round, and I know there's a running backs don't matter crowd, and they probably think Najee Harris, Travis Etienne, Javante Williams, Trey Sermon, who cares? They're all the same. I don't know. Maybe, maybe there's an argument there. We'll see. Time will tell, right? We'll find out if Najee Harris yeah. is Le'Veon Bell. But I feel like, yeah. as you said, they got a good person and a really good football player, and I think that's one positive you could definitely take out of Najee Harris at 24 overall. And I think for a team that has a has a group of fans, and I know the fans are going to hear this, and I'm going to catch heat about it. <laughs> but for for a, for a fan base that loves to, you know, go after players for their what they do off the field, you know, whether it's TikTok or whatever it may be, are you, you know, do you have anything negative you can say about a kid who goes back to the homeless shelter he used to live at? Um, to to celebrate being drafted into the NFL, uh, he not long after he uh, he posted on Twitter that he was selling merchandise, Najee Harris shirts with his with his logo on the front, and they were yellow with black black logo on them. <laughs> and you already saw people coming out. Oh my God, he hasn't even played a snap yet, and he's already making money off the NFL and his name. Well, then you find out that the proceeds are going toward the homeless shelter. Of course. Of course. So, so what are you going to, you know, he's a guy that the the fans are going to try to find things wrong with him away from the field to justify why he shouldn't be, shouldn't have been the pick. But this kid seems like he's, 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 you know, quality from top to bottom. Um, I like the fact that he's kind of a soft spoken guy you know, didn't come out and and in his press conferences and the interviews I've heard from him even before the draft, um, seemed like a pretty humble guy. You know, I think I think he's a great addition to the team, even if he's not what Le'Veon Bell was for the team statistically. Um, we can we can get into numbers, but Le'Veon Bell put up great numbers, but the team never really won anything with him. You know, when 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 Bell was there, um, he was far more of a distraction. Then he was a benefit. I think the last couple of years he was on the team anyway. So I'm, I'm not so concerned that he has a standard to live up to 
on the field. Um, I think that the fact that they committed a first-round pick to a, a running back means Mike Tomlin is committed to the run game. I think if you watch how Matt Canada runs his offense, he's committed to running the football. So the numbers will come. You know, I, I'm not concerned about that a bit, but I do like the fact we've got a guy that people aren't going to obsess about how he lives his life off the field. How do you think Najee Harris fits in with Benny Snell and Anthony McFarland in this running back room, Kurt? Do you think he goes right to running back one? Is he the starter? Is he getting the majority of the touches? Do you think it's more of a a, uh, rotational approach with these guys? Like, I I think at some point we're going to be talking about where would you take Najee Harris in fantasy? Like, is he worth a Mm -hmm. high pick in fantasy football? Like, this is that's a tough one to predict. I think it's hard to really nail down at this point besides a prediction how they're going to use Najee Harris, but I have to imagine he's number one on the depth chart right now. Well, I'll tell you what he's going to be. Ceremoniously, he's going to be number three on the depth chart because Mike Tomlin hates to put rookies at the top of the depth chart. <laughs> Ryan Shazier wasn't number one on the depth chart opening week. Devin Bush wasn't number one on the depth chart opening week. So if, if you're a fantasy player and you wonder whether or not you should draft Najee Harris, don't look at the fact that he's probably going to be set up behind Benny Snell and maybe Anthony McFarlane on the training camp depth chart. That's not going to mean anything. <laughs> there, when, when the time comes, he's going to play. And and it, I, I, I've I never seen Mike Tomlin use a rotation. I've never seen him use running back by committee. When James Conner was healthy, he got the carries. When Le'Veon Bell was healthy, he got the carries. There was no – there was never he, – he has never been shy about the fact that Whoever I put out there is going to be my running back. And I'm not going to, you know, he had James Conner and Benny Snell both healthy last year. Both of them rushed for more than 100 yards in a game, but you never saw them both getting carries consistently in the same game. It's all or nothing for him. So I think by the time the season starts, Harris is going to be the guy. But I think that just like with Tomlin's philosophy about rookies, He's not going to give him any credit in camp. He's not going to talk about him as the as the starter. He's going to refer back to some mythical depth chart that says Benny Snell's my guy, and then all of a sudden Najee Harris is going to get all the they're, – they're going to put Benny Snell out there. He's going to get two carries. Harris is going to come in, and you won't see Snell again is, is probably what it's going to be. So and, and, yeah, I loved what you said earlier about Najee Harris, about fans maybe not loving the pick. I know there were some needs for the Steelers – you know, offensive line, obviously center, linebacker, some of these spots maybe fans were hoping for the Steelers to address, but it was all a moot point by the second round because this is where the kind of the questionable pick comes in, maybe the more polarizing pick. I think, Kurt, you said that this was going to be, this is going to make or break the entire draft class. We'll talk about that and get into it coming up next. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of... uh human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Kurt, second round, pick number 55, this one was a shocker, right? Tight end Pat Fryermuth. I was ready to see the Steelers go O-line, secondary, something like that there at that spot. And they went and grabbed the tight end. Not a major need, right? You got Eric Ebron in that pass-catching yeah. role, so 
they must have something in mind for Fryermuth coming in. Uh, personally, I don't like going tight end that early. I mean, Kyle Pitts is one thing, but yeah. I, I would much rather yeah. like the Dolphins grabbed Hunter Long of Boston College, a, a kid I actually covered out here in Exeter, New Hampshire. Uh, so I, I love I love Hunter Long. I'm rooting for him and. The Dolphins grab him to, you know, later in the third round. I thought that's that's where I'm taking my stabs at tight end. I thought second round, when it's not a huge glaring need, a little bit of a reach. What do you think about this pick? This one is a little polarizing. I don't I don't think fans are super excited about it. People that are grading drafts, they don't love it, right? They're giving it like a C or no. worse. What do you yep. think about this pick, uh, Pat Fryer in the second round? It, it was it was not the move I would have made. You know, I know I don't run the Steelers, but. When I look at the guys who are still on the board, who could who could come in and help immediately, um, he is not my pick, and and not because I think he's a terrible a terrible football player by any means, but I think the gap between him and Kyle Pitts is is far more vast like than <laughs> than yeah than what we saw in the draft, and I'm not entirely sure he's a better prospect than Hunter Long, to be honest with you. I'm. I'm not at all sure that when we look at this three years from now, Long is not having a better career than Fryermuth is. I, I I really liked Hunter Long. He was a guy that I that I had mocked to the Steelers in the third round um, because I do think Matt Canada is going to want to run a lot more twelve personnel. I think with Vance McDonald choosing to retire kind of out of the blue, there was definitely a need for tight end there. Um, aside from Eric Ebron, I mean Zach Gentry has has done nothing in two seasons a terrible film coming out of college he was a, i think he was a fifth round pick for the steelers um so i understand that he's going to kind of he might be other than harris he's going to be the guy that probably gets the most snaps as a rookie this season just because they're going to run that 12 personnel but i i don't see where from a from a practical standpoint what his fit is he's not a great inline blocker which is something the Steelers have always asked of their tight ends. He's not um, overly dynamic. He, he doesn't have great triangle numbers. He's not going to, he's not going to, you know, run up the seams and outrun linebackers and do things like that. He's got a huge body and he won a lot of 50, 50 balls. And I think that's enticing that, you know, contested throws or something he's good at. Um, but yeah, I, I just don't see, I don't see how this is going to, I mean, the only way this works, and I did say that this pick is probably the one that's going to kind of make or break the success of this draft class because it forced all the other positions backwards. It forced their offensive line, you know, then got everything prioritized for the offensive line got moved down around. So now that puts more pressure on whether or not those guys can contribute, where if you back all that up around, and you draft, say, Creed Humphrey in the second round instead of Fryermuth, um, you've got your starting center, day one guy. Now you've got Kendrick Green, who I think Kendrick Green's a great player. I think he's a, I think he's a really interesting guy, and I think the Steelers got very lucky to get him. But he has taken his, – his time at center is very limited in college football. He may be a guard in the NFL. So they may not have a center. They may not have drafted a center at all. I know we like to assume – that they did, but it could be BJ Finney this season. You know, that might be who plays center for the Steelers. And I'm not sure. It's looking like it right now, right? Kurt, it is looking like BJ Finney. Yeah. And I'm not, yeah. And I'm not sure that, that adding an, an okay, you know, uh, everybody's been posting 
um, pictures of all the Steelers skills players and, and saying, well, who are you going to defend? You know, you got Najee Harris, you got three wide receivers, you got two tight ends. Um, what are you going to do with all these guys? Well, all that tells me is there's not going to be targets for Friar Mute. So statistically, he is not going to impress um, as a rookie. He's not going to have numbers. We saw that with Vance McDonald as a veteran, as the second tight end, he got targeted about 60 times all year. So, and, and so you're just not going to get, I, I don't think there's any good return on investment this year from him. Now, obviously Eric Ebron's contract has voidable years. So there's a real possibility he's gone after this season. If he's gone after this season, and you know, I've talked about this on the podcast before. A lot of times the Steelers draft with a, uh, an eye to the following season. Sure. Yep. This could, this could very well be a move that they're willing to kind of bite the bullet on this year knowing that short of a huge breakout year, they are not going to pay Eric Ebron what he wants next season. The Steelers have a ton of cap space. They're going to get to kind of pick and choose who they want on the team next year. And this could all be for that. This could all be their move to say, Friarmuth's not going to get a whole lot of a whole lot of action this year other than as a blocker, but he's going to be tied in one next season. If he's tied in one next season and Matt Canada's really committed to, to using him as a player, makes this entire draft look better for me. Yeah, I agree with you. That's a that's a trend that we've kind of uncovered with the Steelers, and I think that's 100% right. Yeah, I think this kind of shows you it's foreshadowing that Eric Ebron's probably in his last season well, with the Steelers. I think that's a great point. And I, I, I think you see it all over the draft. I think you see it, uh, you know, with, with multiple picks. I mean, I don't know how much you want to dig into these later guys. Go for it. But you've got, you've got Kendrick Green, who even if he doesn't move to center, David DeCastro can't play forever. You know, we've already seen his game slide. You've got Buddy Johnson at inside linebacker. Vince Williams is, is done after this year. He's already said, I'm playing this year, and then I want to get into coaching. So, you know, you can already see where they have taken even Isaiah Loudermilk, the kid who I think is probably – the most head-scratching pick in the whole draft for the Steelers to trade a fourth-round pick in 2022 to move into the fifth round to draft a guy with terrible film, That's he, they still have an eye on the future. Is he eventually, they hope, to be Cam Hayward's replacement? Trey Norwood, they draft Trey Norwood, and two days later they decline the fifth-year option on Terrell Edmonds. I mean, you just kind of go down through the list mm-hmm. of all these guys who have who are, who are sort of coming in behind – players who could be on their way out at the end of the season. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's a smart strategy. It, it doesn't force rookies into, into playing time early. It's a, it's a plan for the future, assuming these guys are good players uh, and, and they develop the way they want them to. But yeah, I think if you look at it, you may not see a huge, a huge production out of this, this rookie class other than Harris, but you can see four of them start next year. And I don't care what grade you want to give the Steelers. If you can get four guys starting for your team in their second year in the league, that's a pretty successful draft, I think. They always seem to do it. We always seem to look back yeah. at, him, at these draft classes and say, hit, 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 you know. Uh, and one guy you mentioned, I know people could probably tell you're not you're not high on this ladder milk kid, uh, but you do like Buddy Johnson. This is a guy that oh, yeah. you, you gave him a high grade in your uh, in your draft analysis. Yeah, he's, he's a football player. You know what I mean? Like he's like a guy that if you're a coach – he just pops every time you watch A&M's defense play. I mean, he was a, he, he's, he's vocal and he's active and he calls the defenses and he's fast. And, yeah, he needs to get a little bigger, probably needs to get a little stronger to hold up, you know, to, the, to kind of the physicality of, of, of the NFL game. 
played in the SEC. He he played against a lot of good players, um, always around the football, always making plays. But he doesn't, you know, he does, he's not a splash play kind of guy. He's more just a just a, a accumulates tackles, things like that. But yeah, I I love his game. I think he's a I think he's a faster version of Vince Williams. You know, one of the things that, that, that has kept Vince in the league as long as he has after being a late-round pick is the fact that he's so smart. And I think Buddy Johnson's another guy. You can see his football IQ when he's on the field. You can just you can see that in him. Yeah, I, lo- I love that pick. I, I, was, I was all for it. He'll probably be Bush and Williams back up all season and move into starting spot next year. Yeah, he's, he's great. He's, he was probably my big – other than our big punter, um, he was probably the most interesting pick of the draft for me. So love me a punter at number five, uh, two fifty four. Give it to him. Love, love those two hundred and sixty five pound punters. He's got yeah. some thighs on him. He's got a he's a big boy, man. He can Jeez. punt that thing. Uh, yeah, and then let's leave it here. I mean, I always love to see which wide receiver the Steelers take, you know, kind of mid to late rounds, and they didn't do it this year. No wide receiver, no. so we didn't – I guess we're standing pat. I guess they're happy with that room, as they should be. They're all studs, but I was I was expecting a, at least one wide receiver. They didn't go there, and they really didn't address the secondary, right? I mean, they pick a safety late, no corners, mm-hmm. so I'm not sure if that was a calculated move or just the way the board fell. I think what they did was – was they chose to address all that through their undrafted free agents. True, yeah. I think I think that, you know, I think they signed five defensive backs as undrafted free agents. They didn't draft a wide receiver, but they, they signed Isaiah McCoy out of Kent State at wide receiver. I think he's about a lock for a practice squad spot at this point. So, yeah, they the, I think they skipped out on defensive backs through the draft and then just scooped them all up like like, you know, candy the day after valentine's day when the when the draft was over so like the wild wild west you know yeah it even like, i mean some some gms talked about how you know it was almost like a good strategy to trade back and accumulate seventh round picks just to get a head start on some of these undrafted free agents because the player pool was so much smaller this year kurt because mm-hmm. of covid the undrafted free agent piece there was less players available so it was a little bit it, it was a little wild trying to get those guys. Yeah. So that is an interesting point. And, and I think that was why they used a pick on a punter. I don't think they felt like Harvin was going to make it. I think they were worried that they would probably lose him. You know, that's, that's basically the difference between a seventh round pick and an undrafted free agent is how much do you think the, the market is going to be there for him when the draft is over. And I think that when you look at those guys drafted about 235 and on, all those guys are, are probably not any better than the, the undrafted free agents that get signed after them. They just teams just want to make sure they get their guy. And that's, I, I was surprised um, that the Steelers drafted a cornerback or didn't draft a quarterback. They signed a cornerback that Shakur Brown from Michigan state. Um, I think Todd, Todd McShay had him as a fourth round prospect. So, uh, you know, he's a guy that I'm surprised they didn't use a pick on him, but the fact that they were able to get him, there had to be something in place ahead of time. You don't, you know, there. I, I wouldn't be a bit surprised if the Steelers hadn't contacted his agent and said, "We're going to sign him right after the draft is over. We're not going to draft him." You know, you know. But if nobody picks him, we're going to sign him. And the agent's like, "You bet. We'll, we'll, we'll make sure he signs with with you guys." And and uh, you know, just to, just to make sure these guys understand, it's not that they don't want to use a pick on you. They just only have so many picks to go around. Another draft in the books. We made it. We made it to the draft. And it was a long wait, Kurt, to get there. We finally made it, and it was yeah. a lot of fun. 
uh, some interesting moves by the Steelers and some other teams. And uh, I think next week we can kind of wrap up our thoughts on the draft, this first kind of tier of the offseason, and maybe look ahead to the second tier. Look ahead to yep. what training camp might look like in a couple months. Look ahead to yep. position battles. And uh, you posted a couple interesting things on Steelers Wire about like projecting the starting lineups. I think that's really fun. So I'm looking forward. Okay. Let's, let's do some of that next week. Does that sound good to you? That sounds great. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. We'll talk to you then. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.